A very good day to all of you out there. Today is January the 31st, 2022, and this is the Friendship News Hour presented to you by Bummer Dude Media. My name is Frank, his name is Alex, and we're at the end of the first month, 2022. It's pretty crazy. Quick one, very quick one. February will be a blink of the eye. Not only because it's a short month, I have a lot of shit going on in February. I have like three trips going on in February. Ooh, where do you get to go? Well, I'm going to Sacramento next week. I'm going to take my uh, big rig and I'm going to drive it up to the state capitol. Mm-hmm. Oh, Sacktown? Is that the capital? That is the capital. No, I'm going up there uh, on some business. Mm. And then two weeks after that, well, hold on. This weekend I'll be in Thousand Oaks visiting... Uh, my girlfriend's parents, and then I'm going to Sacramento. And then we're going to go to Flagstaff, Sedona, and the Grand Canyon. That was our Christmas gift to each other, that trip. And then the very next week, I'll be in Vegas for a conference. And then the week after that, I'll be gone. I'll be in Mexico City and Oaxaca. Are you going with your dad? or? Oh, no. I thought you said somebody dead. Oh, yes. <laughs> It's like, no, I don't think so. No, this is for a wedding, actually. Oh, nice. So the wedding is in a town called Hualtuco. It's on the coast. It's a resort town, uh, but we wanted to be tourists, so we extended the trip out before the before the wedding. So we'll be in Mexico City for close to a week, and then we're going to go to the resort, and we'll be at the resort for like four days. It's be nice, all inclusive. Nice. Pretty stoked, man. Pretty stoked on it. I get. I've never done that before, but we're going to Costa Rica in May, and it'll be the first time I get oh, to do bitch. like the all inclusive resort lifestyles. But I'm. I'd never done it either. From what I hear, like you have a mini bar that's like all yours in your room. Mm-hmm. You can go to walk up to any bar on the resort, and there's like seven or eight restaurants, like hey, nice restaurants. You Pedro, can just be like Corona. Yes, bring me the prime Thanks. rib. <laughs> so I'm excited. In seven minutes. I want two more of these, and then every 10 minutes afterwards, I want another until we have to get drug out of it. Exactly, until you pick me up off the floor. <laughs> well, that's awesome. So are we going to get some remote Friendship News Hour recordings from Hey, it? who knows? Maybe. Hey. Coming to you live from DFA, <laughs> the capital of Mexico. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, I'm stoked. I used to live there. What? In Mexico City. You're a when I was a, When I was a, a little child. I thought you lived in Michigan. I did. We came back to the States, mm. lived in the States for a little bit, and then moved to Michigan, and then moved back to San Diego. Wow. Yeah. And this was all before I was like five. Sam. That's why you're so cultured. Mm-hmm. Makes sense exactly. now. But yeah. I used to live there. I haven't been back since I lived there. Oh, wow. Okay. You, weren't you there at your family's resort? Puebla. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Not resort. About two hours southeast okay. of Mexico City. Not far. Like San Diego, LA, Toledo, Cleveland. Gotcha. That distance. Yeah, I need to get there, man. Like Mexico looks so amazing, and I need. I love to see like all those those pyramids and like the Mayan and Incan and all that stuff down there. But like, I don't know. I, I I don't know if it's there's like so many places to see. I don't know if when I'll get to Mexico, and I'm just hoping it's not like a resort in Mexico. I'm hoping I can like go and like see a majority of people, especially majority of people from that part of the country in in the Midwest, tend to flock to the resort towns yeah. either on the Gulf side. Cancun, like Cancun, Tulum, Tulum's super trendy right now. Playa del Carmen, Cozumel, all those places are like really like touristy attractions in Mexico. But uh, yeah, it's a way different story when you're when you're out in the in the cities, especially mm. like I, I remember going to Puebla and just talking to my dad. I'm like, dude, this doesn't even feel like the same place because we used to live in TJ in Tijuana, no. which is you know right border city right here in San Diego, yeah. and. Like, don't get me wrong. As soon as you cross the border, you understand immediately that you're in a different country. But 
that feel versus the feel of Pueblo, Mexico versus the feel of Zacatlan, Mexico, like all these places, crazy, crazy different. So I, I highly recommend it. I mean, I'm sure that resorts are fun and whatnot, but they're catered to tourists and you know, you're just, I, I don't know. I'm excited. I'm, I'm way more excited for Mexico city than I am the resort for sure. Yeah. Hell's but yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad to get both in. A lot of sports this weekend. Dude, a lot of shit going on this weekend. Yeah. A lot of sports this weekend. Did you watch those games yesterday? Dude. Yes, man. It, it's, it's great. The first week of the playoffs sucked and the last two weeks have been awesome, dude. Excellent. Games. Yeah. It's been crazy. It's been crazy. It's like they're, it's like legit. You hear that stupid cliche. You couldn't write a better. Well, you couldn't That's legitimately true. like you couldn't like every single one of these games has come down to the very last play. Just about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even, even the Niners game yesterday came down to the last drive. Yeah. That see, I thought the Rams were going to win by like 10 points. So it was a lot closer than I thought it would be. I kind of want to see more of Debo Samuel, man, for what he had kind of done all year. The Rams did a really good job of kind of shutting him down. Yeah, and vice versa. Yeah, I mean, Cooper Cup made his made his made his name known, but but not to the extent that he had. And I, I think they did a great job against Stafford. Stafford made some very Detroit Lion esque plays yesterday, <laughs> seeping through. That might be the that might be the cancer that that dooms the Rams. Yeah, the Lions could be. <laughs> it definitely could be. I saw a thing today. It said you know. that uh, Matthew Stafford is in the Super Bowl and Eminem's performing at the halftime. It is the closest the Detroit Lions will ever be to that game. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Hilarious. But I, yeah, I'm really happy for him, man. He he gave his heart and soul to our organization, our dumpster fire of an organization for far too long. Mm-hmm. So he is he's finally in a good system with a way much better coach. Uh, defense is really good, too. I mean, Detroit had good defenses the years that they kind of got to the playoffs, and they had some good defenses, but not like this. So pump for him, yeah. and then, I mean, dude, the Cincinnati Bengals, I did not think, I would have bet so much money on Seriously. the Chiefs defending home, like defending Arrowhead, and they came in, kind of got it put to him in the first quarter, and then woke the fuck up in that second half and shocked the world, man. That, that was insane. Who day? <laughs> yeah, right, right. Joey Burrow, he's real, man. He's a real deal. Yeah, I, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Chiefs uh, obviously should have won that game. No question about it. Yeah. There's really no excuse to blow a 21 to three lead. Um, they probably would have won the game if they didn't have that really ridiculous sequence of plays to end the first half. Yeah, I feel like they just started smelling themselves and just thought like, oh, this is over. Let me let me take a snap with five seconds to go and not put it in the end zone immediately and throw a screen out to was it Hill? Yeah, Tyreek, and you guys stopped at the one. Yeah, that was like the changing point of the game, bro. That gave them some some momentum going into the halftime, and they came out and put it to them the rest of the game. Here's what I'll never understand. And I'm not an NFL coach, so I can sit here and talk shit. <laughs> You're a professional football team. Mm-hmm. If you can't get one yard on the ground, then you should just hang them up. Yeah. I'm glad yeah. they lost that game because if you cannot get one yard, if you don't have a play that says, hey, this is a guaranteed one yarder, and you're a professional football team, then hang them up, leave, go home. And they did. Right. I, it will never ever makes sense to me the ridiculous lengths that coaches will go to score when they are within five yards of the end zone pound the fucking rock they had 15 seconds run one play if you don't get that play fine then you didn't get it down the ball kick a field goal they got greedy they got greedy and i just it my god it irks me because they just that's how that's how you lose a super bowl if you're the seattle seahawks right yeah you know what i'm saying uh michigan had a game this year i think they were playing state and in the first half they ran three plays from the one goal to go in the, yeah. within like the five yard line yeah. and 
they didn't score. And it's just like, hey, run the ball. Just run the ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. It's uh, it's frustrating, man. But I'm surprised you don't see more teams go for two these days, man. Like where you, you have, you could take the ball from like the two yard line. And, and I mean, points are, are a premium in, yeah. in the league, man. Like I, I hear what you're saying with, with running the ball for sure. And like the Seahawks learned that lesson very hard way. But like, damn, bro, sometimes just in these playoff games, especially take your points and get the fuck off the field. Like Andy Reid right. had no re- no reason to kill that clock towards the end of the uh, quarter. You know, I get trying to, you know, do your run play or maybe run that screenplay to Tyreek like a play earlier. But if not, get your points and go the fuck to the halftime with a four score lead. Yeah, I th- but I think that was on Mahomes. Was it? Okay, well, it would have to be because you're not going to, I mean, unless you really think you got it in that play, you're not going to run that play on the goal line. Right, yeah. You're just going to, you know, fucking put Travis Kelsey out wide. Yeah, right. Something run trips, put Kelsey out wide and throw him a post and just, or a fade and have him go up there and get it. Yeah. If he doesn't, you have one second left, kick a field goal. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that was a play they wanted to run and it doomed him. It did. Can you promise me if we ever live in the same city that we'll coach a uh, junior football team together and oh yeah, <laughs> get our oh, you can yeah. do the offense, I'll cover defense. <laughs> Absolutely, Those kids are gonna hate me, <laughs> dude. It would be fun. Like I always wonder if I'd be like a dick because like, I had dickhead coaches, man, and I had nice ass yep. coaches, and I feel like maybe at the time, as much as I didn't like them, my best coaches were always the biggest assholes to me because they brought the best out of me one way or the other. Yeah, for sure. Uh, there, but there's a fine line there because you also have to respect that person. If you don't respect sure. him and he's a dick, well, then it, it wouldn't matter. You're not listening to what he says. But yeah, sure. I had some coaches that were assholes, but I respected him. So I know I knew that at the end of the day, there'd be an asshole for my benefit. Yeah. So I, I was just wondering, like, how would I draw from that in my own coaching someday of, of my kid or whatever, just random mm-hmm. kids? Complete degradation of their <laughs> tiny little psyches. You worthless loser. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever self-esteem that they had before meeting me, just suck them dry of it. It's how you build champions. You have to break them down. That's right. Build them up. Build them up. But uh, so next week we have the uh, super watched Pro Bowl. That's going to be a really exciting game. Can't yeah, I was wait. About that yesterday, <laughs> and I can't remember the last time I even turned it on. Yeah, it's like background noise. It's just a, it's waste, man. They honestly should do it like after the season, in the middle of the summer, with all the Super Bowl people too. So it's just kind of like a fuck off thing, if anything. But like, no one gives a shit about that game. It's just kind of no, who wants to watch an exhibition football game, right? Yeah, exactly. Who wants to watch the Senior Bowl? Yeah. Right. Uh, but then, yeah, then the following Sunday, you'll have the Los Angeles Rams going against the Cincinnati Bengals for the Super Bowl. I saw a recent petition, actually, and I'm on full board with this. It's going around in some colleges uh, to move the Super Bowl to a Saturday. And I, I couldn't agree more. Like, I don't, I don't understand why the All NFL right. does not do this for, for a game like that. People, It only incentivizes people to go and party and get more people to watch the game as opposed to, oh, I got work tomorrow. I got to go to bed or whatever. Um, I'm all about this. I want to sign this petition. Yeah, I know. It's been a, it's been a debate for a while. I don't know. I, I Maybe just because you own the day of the week. Yeah. You know, you own Sunday. You're the NFL. You own Sunday. Nobody else has Sunday. But how nice are those Saturday games, bro? Like once NCAA is over and you have those Saturday playoff games, it's so nice. Oh, yeah. Like a 4 p.m. game, you oh, know, like yeah. middle of the afternoon. It's done by eight or whatever. Like mm-hmm. there's nothing better than that, bro. I love that. Yeah, it's tremendous, but it's. Super Bowl Saturday, eh, it doesn't sound good. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I can make it work. I don't think they'll ever change it. Never? Nah. I don't think so. Then we need a national holiday on that Monday for America. Mm-hmm. True. That'd be nice. We're just, if you're not going to give people Martin Luther King Jr. Day, like my company, my racist company didn't, <laughs> then, you know, 
throw it a Super Bowl. Give it a floating day. <laughs> what does that say about America, though? You you have to come into work on the day that honors Martin Luther King Jr., but hey, mm-hmm. I know you partied hard for the Super Bowl, so you take that Monday off. <laughs> I don't know. What does it say about us? Run a poll. I guarantee I guarantee you football wins. I guarantee you. I guarantee you. And sure. I don't think we're racist, but I guarantee you football wins. <laughs> I, that's probably what I would vote for, not with any racial motivations, but I'd rather have that next day after the Super Bowl off for sure. Do it for any holiday that isn't July 4th, Christmas, or Thanksgiving. Yeah. yeah. Would you rather have Memorial Day in May or Super Bowl Sunday? Mm. Oh, fuck them. Would you rather have President's Day on some random weekend in February yeah. or Super Bowl? That's what I'm saying. Just move President's Day to Super Bowl Monday. Solve both problems. Get two birds stoned at once. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's what that's what our founding fathers would have wanted. Exactly. If I'm interpreting this constitution correctly. <laughs> so arguably the the most uh impressive sport feat over the weekend was Rafael Nadal. Um, winning his 21st major in ridiculous fashion. I don't know. I I literally don't watch tennis ever, ever. You should. I, I took in two matches this weekend, and they were the most insane things I've ever seen. I don't know if tennis is like this all the time, but it was incredible, the heart that I saw. It was one of the most amazing achievements I've ever seen in sports ever, and I'm not talking about the final, which was crazy, mm-hmm. which was crazy, but I'm talking about the quarterfinal. Yes. Not even the semifinal. I'm talking about the quarterfinal match. Rafael Nadal versus whoever. His name is irrelevant in history. Nobody remembers. Shapovalov. Whatever. Yeah, good for him. <laughs> I hope he had fun watching it at home. So Nadal's up two sets, right? Mm-hmm. And going into the third set, he starts to falter a little bit. And uh, I guess that's not too abnormal. So he loses this, the third set. And then going into the fourth set, he's like down bad. Like he's not chasing after balls. He's not hustling. He's taking breaks. He's asking to see the doctor, holding his side, holding his stomach. Something's very, very visibly wrong with this man. And he labors through those two sets of just complete ass whooping. I mean, he is getting tore up and down the court. This other guy could do whatever he wanted. All he had to do was put the ball just slightly out of play. And he knew that Nadal was not going to chase it. And he whipped his ass. It was bad. Nadal comes back in the sixth set, guts it out and wins. Excuse me, fifth set. Could not believe what I saw. Literally 20 minutes ago, this man could not walk. And he's out there doing his thing. So I saw that. Oh, who the fuck's going to beat him? Semifinals coasted. That wasn't barely a match. I think he lost one set. Won it in four. And then the championship match, this madman goes up two sets to none. No, goes down two sets to none. And he wasn't playing bad. I remember no. hearing uh, McEnroe commentating, he, and, and it was like when he lost the second set, and he's like, yeah, this is all but over. And I'm like, well, maybe, but he's not playing terribly. But really, he wasn't. He wasn't giving up very many shots. I was watching it live, man. He he was kind of beating himself in a way. Like, he was yeah, oh, he yeah, had 100%. amazing shots, but he, he kind of just kept going into the net. And credit to Medvedev, because Medvedev is, is a great, great player, man. He, like, doesn't have a ton, a ton of victories because he's playing against in his career, like the prime of Novak Djokovic, Nadal, mm-hmm. some of Federer, like he, he is, he's just playing against superior competition for so long, but like people thought, you know, with Djokovic being out, this could be his chance. And everyone kind of thought this would be the final. Um, but, yeah. and, and, and I, like, I watched the first two sets live. This was at like two 30 in the morning or on Sunday morning. I think it was. Yeah. And yep. I was like, wow, like I like they, they were great. The second set went to a tie break and that's always mm-hmm. fun and exciting. But when Nadal lost that second set, I was like, fuck, man, like he's he's done. Like you don't you don't see what he did happen very often in tennis ever. Like it's it's yeah. it's insane. Well, even that tie break, he was up, I think. Yeah. 
five to two, five to three. Yeah, no, five to three, and he came back and won four straight. Yep. Yeah. So then he turns it on, and you could, and then you could kind of tell like he's he's kind of had enough. And and the next two sets, he's just he is everything he hits is just pure. Yep. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. He's just winner after winner after winner. And you could see Medvedev is just kind of like, well, I can't, fucking can't do anything about that. Yeah. And then it gets into the into the fifth set. And we're four, four and a half hours into this thing. And uh, I think that's what it came down to. He just tired him out, man. You can see like they, they were hitting these winners that, you know, they might have chased down in the first or second set. And then they were just like, yeah, no. Yeah. Can't get to it. Dude. The, yeah. so the, and the match went five and a half hours. It's outrageous. That's literally a marathon. Yeah, dude. That's, that's craziness. I wish they would have like tracked how much they're running and stuff with all that. But like golf's four hour sport. Soccer is a 90 minute sport. Like you don't, I mean, in soccer they are, but like you're not running, you're playing as hard as you can for five and a half hours in golf or anything yeah. like that. So it's just. Dude, it, it was to watch them grind that out was amazing. That was that was such a huge accomplishment. And now uh, Nadal now holds the most Grand Slam tournament titles uh, at 21 over Roger Federer and Novak Djokovic with 20. They're all tied. And only his second Aussie. And only his second Aussie. Yeah, yep. That dude pretty much runs the Paris, the French Open. Why is that? Why is he so much better on clay? It doesn't make sense to me. So he's from Spain. Like my guess is that, and I don't know this for sure, but in Spain, maybe like clay is more popular there. So maybe he mm. came up on clay, knows clay, and it, it, you do you play it differently when you play clay. Like you have the ground has more give. The ball can mm. bounce in any which direction. Like just because of like a, a small clump of clay or something like that. So there's more variables. You have to be able to slide back and forth. You don't have like the firm, like being able to stop like you can on like a normal tennis surface. And it, and it just moves differently than even like grass at Wimbledon. So that's why you see certain guys like Nadal, like excel so much in, mm. in one area. It's just because like, that's what they know. Federer, a Swiss dude, he he excels like at, at Wimbledon and on the grass. Uh, Novak just kind of does his thing wherever he wants. He just an animal but yeah he, nadal is king of the clay yeah well he was king of the weekend man um mm. it, it was it was amazing to watch i, I just got, I gained so much respect for him in the sport and not that i thought anything bad about tennis previously but uh after this weekend i was just like yeah this is nuts you can't you can't say anything about anybody playing these kind of matches and just they just go so hard man like yeah they just go so hard like, i don't know how they have any energy left after five hours and they're just smacking that ball it makes it, it just yeah good, good kudos to them yeah and coming into this tournament nadal was coming off an injury too i think he missed the last major right. because of some kind of injury right, or something yeah. so he's been in australia like the last month doing kind of warm-up tourneys and some other smaller stuff and he has been unbeaten since he went to australia so he's back but yeah. Novak Djokovic will be back for the next major, and uh, I don't think anyone's going to beat him, man. Yeah, yeah, that's what it. That's what it seems like. What What about Federer? Is he done? Yeah, he, he's kind of he's past his prime. He, he still will come and compete in some of these, but I, uh-huh. he's. I don't think you'll ever see him win another major. I, I, I mm. not to like wish ill on him. I would not be mad to see that at all. But yeah, I think he's just kind of past that window, and it, it's Novak's turn, dude. When it's said and done, Novak still has another five years and like easy and like in his what you'd call prime or like towards the winding down of his prime. Like I know that could take another 10 or like 10 or 12, mm-hmm. like in that time. So I, I think eventually the record will be his, but um, Nadal and Federer are kind of like, a, it, Nadal winning this tournament is kind of like Tiger winning the masters, like in the twilight of his career. Yeah, kind of for sure. No, no. And I was thinking like, if the, if the stars aligned like this tournament where say uh Djokovic doesn't, participate because of his covid whatever yeah and you know nadal gets knocked 
knocked out by somebody, you know, you, you could see it happen. I mean, I could see it happening, but yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I hope it does, but it's not likely. Yeah. The stars would really have to align. Right on. Um, do you see Joe Rogan blink? <laughs> yeah, I did, dude. And I, that surprised the shit out of me, actually. Yeah, me too. Um, not that he gave any kind of big groveling apology, but I was surprised that he said anything about it, to mm-hmm. be honest. Yeah. I guess if you are now part of a company and they're paying you $100 million, you know, I guess that buys them a little bit of capital there with the with the Rogan. But um, I was surprised to see it for sure, because to me, it kind of seems like, uh, I don't know. It just kind of seems like something you don't you don't uh, respond to. Why would you respond to that? I, if you respond to it if you're Spotify, and then if you're yeah. Spotify, you're like, well, we can't respond to it and have Joe Rogan shut up, so we probably have to have this guy say something. All I would say though, and like I'm on Joe's side on this, I'm on Spotify's side on this. Like Neil Young and these people trying to make these demands are, are crazy. Um, but I, I I do wish through all of this, I've kind of wished that Joe would have brought on some like views from both sides. Like obviously Mm -hmm. I'm for a lot of the, like the people he's brought on there and the things they're talking about and like getting your information from more places than just, you know, the world health organization Mm -hmm. and various entities like that. Like I think what a vast majority of what they're saying is very true, but like knowing Joe and, and like the good interviewer that he is, I would, and the open-minded person that he is, I would have thought that he would have brought in maybe some other people that are more on the side of the world health organization or in the middle of these two bashing, you know, heads, uh, to do something like this. And it sounds like maybe that's what he's going to start doing, but I don't know. Yeah. I welcome it. I welcome it because I, I, you know, I would love to hear what they'd have to say about it. The official narrative, right? It's what, it's what all these organizations and then federal, um, employees like, like Dr. Fauci, all these people are selling from our leadership, right? That's what's being said. And then it's people on the outskirts saying, well, I think this, and I think this, and I think this. Yeah. And that's why it was so interesting to have them on because not only were they saying things that were slightly contrary, but also they were being silenced because of it. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, first of all, you've created, you've created your own problem. And what really gets me about this whole thing is that I don't think they dislike Joe Rogan or they dislike the people that are on his shows. I think they really hate his his uh, audience. I think they hate his audience. And the pull that he has as a result of, of his platform and his audience. Like, why would you go through these great lengths if you didn't, by default, think that a certain audience can't be trusted with their own opinions? Yeah. Because if you didn't think that, then you would have no problem with what anybody said about anything. But like your your small brain and and excuse me Neil Young, I you know, whatever. It's so weird that he's the person that's in the middle of this, but if you're sitting here thinking that like he has this big audience and then he has some people who are saying things to the contrary, it's being labeled misinformation by who? And then you're mad because it's reaching this big giant audience. Well, first of all, why is the audience there? Is everything he's saying untrue? And secondly, if it's if you would have to then jump through all these hoops to, to make the conclusion that these people are actually getting their uh, medical information from a podcast, and then yep. you're mad that they're not listening to your medical information, right? And then the, th- the things that, that are being brought up on that podcast happen to be true. Some of them, not all of them, and whatever. And, and I, I think if you've ever watched the show, it's it's never like, it's rarely somebody saying well, you're wrong about this and you're wrong about this and this is the way it is. It's always like, oh, well, I would love to hear what you have to say. And what do you have to say about it? Right. That's all it is. Yeah, I saw a meme and said the people that hate Joe Rogan have never listened to a full episode of Joe Rogan. That's probably true. Yeah, it's just like little snippets and shit like that. But that's probably true. It's And it's, it's what I'm saying. Like, like it's well known how, how much of, of an audience that, that this guy has. 
and you're upset because some things are, are being said that you don't agree with, you say they're misinformation. What the fuck does that even mean? And then for you to be so worked up about it, you have to, you have to literally think that the people who are hearing this can't be trusted with this information. Yeah. Can't be, can't be trusted to make their own opinion. I listen to that show. You listen to that show. You think I go in there, I go over there and I'm like, well, Joe said it. <laughs> so it's the law. We had this one guy on that said it. No, I mean, it's interesting information and you take into account and like, well, you know, Hey, I heard this and that's really interesting. Yeah. And then you go about your day mm-hmm. and you do what you were going to do regardless. I th- yeah. I think the major outlets are scared of Rogan because he can't get bought. You know what I mean? Like he, he F- wants to interview these people that that have these contrary opinions to what you see as the mainstream or, or as the information that's right, yeah. you know? And, and I think it scares a lot of big, like big platforms that, that he is the way he is. And, and as a result that he has the pull he has with his listeners. Yeah, dude. I, I, did you hear about that? It's just before this Neil Young thing, but there was this thing about like uh, doctors who signed this big petition to have his, to have him being pulled off Spotify because of COVID misinformation or whatever. Oh, wow. It wow. was like a, it was like a uh, letter signed by like 200 doctors or whatever. And they signed it and sent it to Spotify. And then it came out that like 86 of those doctors weren't doctors. And some of them were like veterinarians and chiropractors, which is fine. But like, why would your opinion matter in this situation at all? Hmm. And then, and then some of them weren't even medical professionals at all. Got a doctorate in English. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's just so, it's just so silly to me. Yeah. And, and, and to me, I, I just, it just, exemplifies the contempt that they have for people who don't listen to them. And it, it, it baffles my mind, but it seems to be a trend, man. I don't Have you been following this stuff with the Canadian truckers? No, no. Wow, dude, that's so wild to me. I, I figured to hear, like, I would hear that from like some people who aren't like on Twitter or, or, or things like that. But like, it's wild to me that this isn't like the biggest story ever. So there's a, a convoy this past weekend of, of truckers. That's why I said it in the beginning. You, you, you didn't uh, react. So, so it makes sense now that you haven't heard oh. of this, but, um, there was a, a, a caravan of truckers, like 18 wheeler truckers. And, um, they all convened upon the, ca- the, uh, parliament of Canada in protest of vaccine mandates. Mm. And I think if they're able to verify it, it will be like the biggest convoy of cars ever. Like, like Guinness Burke world record. So like in that, you know, that's a big story, but they're doing it for, in the name of, of, uh, freedom. This is literally all they're doing. So some 50,000 truckers drove from wherever they were in Canada and convened onto Quebec, I think, wherever the hell their parliament is. I don't know, but they went there and the president, Justin Trudeau, said he got, uh, said he came into contact with somebody who, who had COVID. He fucking left. He was spooked. And so he left and he's not even acknowledging them like as valid. He's basically saying, well, these people think the wrong way. And so I don't, I have contempt for them and I don't want to listen to what they say. And they're, they're, um, he used words like hateful rhetoric and they want to, commit violence towards citizens. There was no violence over the weekend. It was just a bunch of protesters waving Canadian flags, singing the national anthem, saying they want their freedom back. Right? Nothing wrong with that. And says the guy that did blackface like 30 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> like, who the fuck is right. this guy talking about hateful speech? And just, God, get the out of here. Well, here, let's, let's take a listen real quick. I have attended protests and rallies in the past 
when I agreed with the goals, when I supported the people uh, expressing their concerns and their issues. Black Lives Matter is an excellent example of that. But I have also chosen to not go anywhere near protests that have expressed hateful rhetoric, violence towards fellow citizens, uh, and a disrespect uh, not just of science, but of uh, the frontline health workers and, quite frankly, the 90% of truckers who have... Canadians know where I stand. This is a moment for responsible leaders to think carefully about where they stand and who they stand with. I hate that last line. Yeah. That does not sit well with me. They need to think about who they stand, where they stand and who they stand with. Fuck you. Ugh. I don't need to mention it again, how unpeaceful uh, BLM protests were last year. I don't know, man. Like, it just boggles my mind. It boggles my mind. You have 50,000 truckers. But by the way, I don't know if there's one group of people. I mean, I'm sure there is like literally any group of people that our society relies on. But like, I couldn't think of many more uh, uh, groups of people that have more power than do people who drive trucks. Right. It's everything that we get, everything that we have in the in, in this country is determined on whether or not it makes it on time. So if they wanted to say, yeah, no, we're sorry, uh, not, not doing this, then it could be a huge problem. Big, huge, giant problem. And you said how many trucks were in this again? 50,000. So 50,000 is only 10% of truckers that are vaccinated? I don't know if that's the case. I, <laughs> I, I think... I mean, according to, according to them and, and, and other numbers that I've seen that 90% of Canadian truckers are vaccinated. Mm. Um, I don't know that every single one of the, the truckers that were coming to Canada were not vaccinated, but. Oh, uh, okay. And maybe they were American or something else too. Or something. Yeah. Right. And, and I guess, uh, there, there are rumors of a American, uh, trucker, uh, convoy uh, to go to okay. Washington DC. Uh, but the other thing I wanted to bring up about this, like, again, man, it just, you know, we can sit here and get mad all day about the, the shit that doesn't make sense. But um, the label anti-vaxxers, I mean, I hate that so much. And it's so disingenuous. And I think it's on purpose that they say that. But it's, you know, I think you'd be hard pressed to find somebody who's actually against the vaccine. I mean, there are the, those people out there, like, don't get me wrong. But the majority of people who have a problem with vaccines have a problem with the fact that they're mandated. Mm -hmm. And I saw somebody, some Canadian saying that there's been vaccine mandates since... 1880 for kids in school or something like that. And they had to show proof of vaccination. Yeah, absolutely. Doesn't it almost feel like they're trying to make anti-vaxxers or like you're saying, people that are like just concerned with like how it's been rolled out and like the mandates and the forcing of this thing. Mm -hmm. Like, don't you think they're trying to like almost make it like anti-vaxxers like are like the, like kind of like you're a racist. Like you look at it the same way as like shame, shame, sh you know yeah, what I mean? Like that's sure. bad. That person's bad. Like I'm not, I'm not defending racists at all, but like that's, and that's totally different kind of like a, a shame and like you're a fucked up person for thinking that way. Cause like we're all the same, we're all equal, blah, blah, blah. But like they're trying to like turn this anti-vax into these like people that like just hate America and hate your fellow like countrymen and all the shit. It's like, right. that's not true. That's not what this is. Anti-science, right? Yeah. Because if you're, um, if you're an educated person mm. and you, you follow the rules of society, well then of course you're going to believe in science. You have to believe in science, believe the scientists. If you don't believe in scientists, then why should we listen to you? You don't know what you're talking about. Are you a scientist? Yeah. It, it, gives that feel of like a, like a low IQ, uneducated, man, maybe not low IQ, but uneducated country bumpkin who doesn't want the government 
into my body, you know, or what, like, you know, yeah. like that's the kind of thing like, oh, you would take horse medicine, you fucking moron. <laughs> you would take horse medicine over the vaccine, which has been proven safe and effective. It's just, yeah, man, it, it's disgusting. It's so gross. Yeah. And yeah, like you said, there, there absolutely is a stigma. They, they for sure make it, make it to be like good guy versus bad guy. Mm-hmm. And I think we've done a really good job here of pointing out when things were true and they were deemed untrue. The very first thing that came out about masks during this pandemic was an email from Dr. Fauci saying the words that they are largely ineffective. The first thing that came out about masks. Yet, yet it's still mandated that we wear masks. See, that's so that's what I'm and then what I'm saying with like Rogan, like how I was surprised he didn't interview other people. Like how how come he hasn't brought on like a Fauci, bro? Like maybe hey, he's man. tried and they said fuck you, but like he should bring on some of these people and talk to these people and like let's get both sides of the story. I only can opine here, and I can't say this for a fact, but I would have to imagine if the position was strong enough and somebody wanted to they would have the opportunity to get on a platform as big as Joe Rogan's and say, this is all wrong. And here's how, right? If you're that strong in your position, you really think that you have the truth and you're that interested in what people believe in and you're that interested in misinformation. And that's the thing about, that's the thing about the left that really kind of annoys me is that they, they almost never want to do that. They almost never want to go toe to toe. They almost never want to compete in ideas and compete in the way that, that, you would normally, you would, here's what I think. And here's what I've seen. Well, here's what I think. And here's what I've seen. Boom. I've so many people when I, when they've listened to these recent podcasts of doctors on, on Joe Rogan, they said, man, I really wish that somebody else would have come on disagreed and, and, and just say, Hey, you know, I don't believe that. And he's done that before. I, I, I can't remember. He's had people on that have disagreed like about a lot of things on both sides and they've had a, and he's had a mediator in there between it. I don't know. In, yeah. my, in my experience, it wasn't that great. It's just a bunch of people talking over people and you, you couldn't really. I liked when he fact checked Alex Jones through the whole episode. Cause like Alex yeah. Jones has some interesting points, but he also says yeah. some outrageous shit. So it's good right. to have like that third party mediator, whatever you want to call it to kind of mm-hmm. like check all these people, like these people and make sure that like, we're on, we're having a productive discussion and not just like saying incendiary things or whatever on either side. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. And like you said, man, it, 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 the action is not to debate. The action is not to say, "Here's why you're wrong." The action is you silence him, or we're going to do something about that. Mm-hmm. That's a coward, in my book. That's a coward. That's somebody who is trying to is trying to bully somebody into doing something. And and not and not showing any credible reason why they're doing it. And Spotify did get bullied here a little bit. Uh, yesterday, they announced that subscribers will now notice a new content warning airing ahead of any podcast episodes that discuss COVID nineteen. Mm, God, that's their, their CEO <laughs> uh, Daniel Ek. Ek, I don't know how you say it. It's Ek. That's a weird last name. <sighs> uh, but that's what he announced. So like now, it's just it's just going to be like Twitter, Instagram, all the posts, any post that says COVID, it's got this little label on it now. It's, it's just, it's so weird. Man, this is all we're about so a flu soft. virus, bro. We are. We're so we're soft. We're so soft. Oh my God. <laughs> so soft. Oh, look, I, and I'm, I, I'm as cynical about the human race as any one person you'll ever meet. <laughs> and I have my reasons and so does everybody else. Sure. But this like idea that we can have control, not only over this one disease, but 
any idea out there. And the, and the idea that there's like one right answer. If this disease has shown us anything, it has shown us two things. One, we're not in control of anything. We have zero control. We only have the semblance of control. Mm-hmm. And two, we don't know anything. The things that we know are so far below the things that we don't. It's, it's like, it doesn't even compare. The things that we don't know are quite literally infinite. And the things we do know are a very small fraction of that. And so there's no humility with this shit. So it's like, yeah, like, listen to what I have to say. And if you don't, we're going to silence you. That's legit the, the message here. And then they, you know, the, the, the tactic in between that is to, is to leverage this whole we're in it together thing for the weak-minded. So everybody doesn't want to feel like a bad person because it's like, well, my actions could have led to this and could have led to that. And I have to play my part. No. Why, why would you, why would you be made to feel bad about something like this? Somebody, I think it was Barry Rice, uh, Barry Weiss that had said something about the mandate about how it was like, never once anything that was good for me, did I have to be coerced in, or did I have to be mandated or did I have to be forced or made, made to feel bad if I didn't participate? Nothing about this lines up. Right. Yet here we are still talking about it. Still people wanting to silence a podcast, like, Grow the fuck up. Mm-hmm. Grow up. Seriously. If you're not that, if you're not secure in what you think and how your family is is acting in this, then that's your own problem. But at the end of the day, that's all you have. And if you really want control, that's the only control that you have is you and your family. And talk to me when this vaccine cures COVID. Then you right. may, then you could talk about forcing it, perhaps. Like then, then Absolutely. you got some ground to stand on. But for right now, it's like, well, it's effective against hospitalizations and it helps it with this, but you could still catch COVID and you know it's gonna keep mutating, so you're gonna have to keep getting shut. Like, no, no, like we're getting we're getting in scary waters very quickly because we're just going along with what we're being told. And it's right. gotta stop. We mandate the polio vaccine because it stops polio. How do we know it stops polio, Al? Because it stops polio. There's no polio. <laughs> Polio ceases to exist yep. because of the vaccine. It's a very good vaccine. You should take it. Everybody should take it. It's the best. It's going to be huge. <laughs> there was, he, you know, what's funny. He, Joe Rogan had a podcast in 2018, either 2018 or 2019. I think it was 2018. And he had on a doctor or a scientist or somebody. And he, it, the conversation was about anti-vaxxers. And the consensus was these people are lunatics. <laughs> Right. And these are the people who thought that like the vaccines that we're giving our children are uh, adding to, to uh, autism rates in America and that it, it has all these harmful effects. And um, this guy basically caught on there. He says there is so many years of data with these vaccines that the benefits so far outweigh any sort of like reported negative condition that it would be absurd to think otherwise. And to that effect, um, I think it was polio. It was either polio or the mumps. It was one of those. I don't know very much about this, but there were cases being reported because these parents weren't vaccinating their children. And it's like, okay, yeah, like, like we, we could have that conversation and he did. And we did. And the consensus was like, yeah, these people are a little bit loony. And it's just amazing to me that like three years later, two years later, we're going to start having this conversation about vaccines. And then a whole bunch of people are going to be lumped into this anti-vax, uh, a group of of people. Right. And that's a terrible thing to be, to be labeled as because then automatically you're a lunatic and a racist and a racist (laughs) and an idiot and somebody who doesn't believe in science and whatever else you want to throw at them. Yeah. Blows my mind, man. It is. Blows the mind. You know what else blows the mind? Hmm. Are the career stats of a one Tom Brady. Oh, man. 
very Hold insane. On. Hold okay. on, before we get into this, before we before we bury him, <laughs> is he actually retired? Because I've heard I've heard two different stories. Well, yeah, so that's what I was gonna say. So on Saturday, Adam Schefter and uh, Jeff Darlington, very credible sources, especially Shefty. Uh, he normally breaks like most of the main stories. Um, he's also a dweeb. He is a dweeb, but he's a Michigan man, so we love him. Uh, but according to, to multiple sources that they cited, um, Tom w- was going to be retiring. This was Saturday. Um, a few hours later, though, Tom Brady's dad came out. He announced that his son had made no decision. And then Tom and his party reached out to the Buccaneers directly saying, we have made no decision. So, like, mm. no one really knows. And Tom, the only thing Tom Brady's posted the last two days are, like, ads and links for his personal pages like for his like uh tb12 lifestyle and like the hmm. clothing that he makes now and stuff so great at marketing that's a great call but like we've seen no formal announcement from tom brady so i i, I don't know i have no idea god i hope Schefter's wrong i hope this just obliterates his credibility i really don't like him and that's just me being a bitch but <laughs> I, I uh i don't know it seems like the right time to go he also was like the best quarterback in the league this year though like statistically so it's like he has years left in him if you want. I, I don't know what he has to prove at this point, but like he could just keep breaking his own records and like further cement his place in history. Yeah, he could. He could. And I'm sure the itch is there. I'm, I, I mean, I think it's easy to rest on that conclusion at the end of a very long season. Yeah. And yeah. just be like, oh, I am done. Mm-hmm. I am old. I mean, I don't know if you saw that last game against the Rams. He was getting fucked up. Yeah. He was getting thrown around like a rag doll. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know what the 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 Buck situation looks like in terms of free agents or who's leaving or who's not, what they can do with the draft to get a, a better O-line for him. Uh, I have no idea. I think, I'm pretty sure his contract's up with them. So I, a lot of people are saying okay. like maybe similar to like a Harbaugh situation in Michigan where like he might be using like the threat of retirement as a bargaining chip towards mm. getting paid paid. Um, but others are saying like he's just set up like he's got, I mean he's got his kids, his his wife, he's got his this TB12 method and and this mm-hmm. athletic wear line and like he's he's gonna be good to go. You know he could do whatever the fuck he wants from this point on. He become a sportscaster, a coach, whatever. Like he's he doesn't need to keep playing, which I I get that. But it's like if if you're still playing at the highest level at 44 years old, like I mean fuck man, that sports yeah. giving you everything. Like, I feel like you you owe it to that game, but maybe you don't. I don't know. Well, no, I mean, I don't think you owe anything anymore. Uh, this is also the guy that was saying last year that, yeah, it's it's conceivable that I played a 50. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, man. Maybe he saw the light. Maybe he uh, went another Christmas without being with his family and was just like, you know what? This is for the birds. Yeah. I have nothing left to prove. Like you said, I've I proved it's not just Belichick. I've got that, you know, there's no, there's no longer like anything that anybody can hold over my head to say anything about my accomplishments. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'm done. I, I think that's what, it, I hope that's what it is. He seems like a family man. He seems like a dude that would do some shit like that. Yeah. And, and if this is the end of his career, these are just some preposterous records of his, uh, and th- these include, include postseason numbers as well, but he has the most passing yards of any quarterback all time with 96,969. Giggity. He has the most passing touchdowns of all time with 707. He has the most passing attempts with 13,081 and the most completions at 8,369. Mm. He has the most touchdowns thrown to different receivers with 92 different people he's thrown wow. touchdowns to. 
And think about that. Like he had the, the likes of Randy Moss, Wes Welker, Rob Gronkowski, like players that he put the ball in their hands a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Julian Edelman. So it's like, he, and he still spread the ball around all the, like, you know, that's maybe a list of 10 people he really threw to, but like another 82 people that he got the ball to. Uh, he has the most wins by any player at 278. His overall record was 278 and 85, uh, which I think is like a 76% winning percentage for his entire career. His playoff record was 35 and 12. Mm. He's 10 and 4 in his 14 conference championship games. He has appeared in 10 Super Bowls over the course of a 22-year career. So let's say 45% chance of making the Super Bowl every year. And he has won seven of them. So he's a 70% chance Super Bowl when it's just, it's just mind blowing, bro. Like the, those stats are, are, it's like reading Tiger Woods stats. I got some of these. I don't know if we'll, they'll ever be broken. He's the most, he's got the, he's the, the most Super Bowl wins of any franchise. Tom Brady. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like him. And then Pittsburgh has six. Mm-hmm. Dallas. Yeah. And then San Francisco. It, yeah. That's, it's Tom wild, Brady. bro. So, okay. So this brings me to my, the question I wanted to ask you. So we, we often talk about like individual athletes and like, We've obviously consensus Tiger Woods. He's he's the goat of individual athletes. But when you talk about like a team athlete, like uh, there's a lot more like factors that come into it. And I I think most anyone would say like Tom Brady is the goat athlete, like just mm-hmm. like blanket statement. And I, I, obviously I think you got to throw Tiger in there. But if we're just looking at like guys that were part of teams, like I think he's up there. I think obviously like Jordan's up there. Um, I'm not going to make the argument for LeBron today. So like just looking at it, because the, the two that really stand out to me and, and to like what I've been reading online, it's it's a Jordan Brady, who's the GOAT. And to me, like it got me thinking. It's it's like, well, you have the NBA, five on five on a court at a time, six guys on the bench, you know, coming in to fill in, maybe like four of those guys see so a little bit of game time. So you have like maybe nine people that affect the game every game on your mm-hmm. team. And then opposed to NFL where you're 11 on 11. So you have so many more people that can factor in so many more substitutions going on where like it's so many more people. Wh- which league is it harder to be as dominant in as Michael Jordan was in the NBA and Tom Brady was in the NFL? Yeah, it's an impossible question to answer. Obviously, basketball, you can affect the game more as a player. Correct. Because you have to play both defense and offense. But like you mentioned football, the, the things that are out of your control are so great that it's really hard to pin the accomplishment on one person. That being said, I don't think that you can take away the championship aspect of a player like Tom Brady. Somebody who is capable of taking an entire team on their back. You know, offense, defense, special teams, the entire team, putting them right. on their back and making it, willing them to win. That that exists, and that is who Tom Brady is. It's, But see, with Tom Brady, it's so difficult. I mean, I don't know. Which league's harder to win a championship in? What do you say? Oh, the NFL, 100%. You think so? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, it's sure. hard. It's hard because the NBA season's so long, you know, and then the, their fi- their playoffs are so much longer too than than the NFL. So it takes a lot more yeah. to get there. But like any any seven game series in the playoffs of the NBA, you pretty much know the better team's going to win that series Most, more, more than often likely. than not. That's yeah. what's going to happen, right? Yep. It doesn't exist like that in football. Any given Sunday, the Chiefs right. should have plastered the Bengals yesterday, mm-hmm. and they did. And they still lost. I don't know. It's like I said, there's so many variables of football. Literally anything can happen. To boil down Tom Brady's accomplishments to the to the to his teams, I think would be a little bit disingenuous. Even if you're talking about like, for example, the the Seahawks game, where the reason the Seahawks lost the game ultimately was because of that interception, but not really. Because what happened the entire game leading up to that point? 
the only thing that we remember is that penultimate moment because it was the end of the game because there was no more time. So that's what sticks in our head. Yeah. But the entire, I mean, obviously up until that point, the Patriots got beaten, right? And it was that one play. So that you could flip that argument either way. I, I, I don't want to diminish anything about Tom Brady, but, but being in the NFL, it, maybe the word luck is a bit too degrading because I don't know that it's luck. It's never really luck. Michael was texting me uh, when they were when the Bucks were playing the Rams last week, and he was like, "Tom Brady's the luckiest." And I'm like, "Yeah, I guess maybe, maybe, maybe he's like lucky in that he gets some breaks that we see a lot, right? The Tuck rule, the Seahawks game, I guess the the Falcons Super Bowl, and even last week when they almost came back and won it. But I don't know. I don't want to say luck, there, but there's something, right? There's something that he can't take credit for yet elevated his status at the same time. But he, I think he can kind of take credit for it because luck might factor into it a little bit, but like it's, it's a team game with all these people able to help you win whatever. And you know, mm-hmm. it's not all on one guy, but like there's only one guy that's been there as many times as he has. Like there's, it's, there's gotta be something to be said for, you know, obviously he's not out there playing defense, but when he's on the field and, and just as like the leader of that team puts them into positions to continually win games, go to Super Bowls and win them. So yeah. like, it's not all on him. He's not out there playing defense and making stops or whatever, but like through one way or the other, like Tom Brady has put that whatever team he plays for in the position to win time and time again. And it's like in the NBA, you have Jordan. Yeah. You're playing defense and offense, but like one guy can take over that game. One guy Mm -hmm. can lock in like Jordan did all the time and, and, impose his will offensively on whoever the fuck was guarding him and then do the exact same thing on the other side of the court. Like, Mm -hmm. and if you can take away the best player in the NBA, that completely changes an entire offense. Whereas in the NFL, you have so many other options you can still go to. So to me, I I think it's got, it's Brady. I think Brady's the best because I think he, in a game where there's so many more factors and like variables and ways that like you can get totally fucked without even being on the field. And he still found a way to like, be a champion, win those games and championships. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, he's got to be I the best. Ya. I hear you because it's happened, so you can't take it away from him. But mm-hmm. I just think that that's somewhat of an anomaly. Yeah, but like, okay, so he was unlucky when they lost to the Giants because of David Tyree caught a fucking football on his helmet. Like, mm-hmm. it's not always like he lost to Eli Manning twice in the Super Bowl and Nick Foles. Like, he is lucky in some things, but he's been unlucky too. Like, it's just he's just a champion. He just is on another planet of winning somehow. Baseball has a really cool statistic called WAR. Are you familiar with the statistic? Is that wins above replacement? Yeah, I don't so know how it puts I know a, that, it, it puts a, a a value on how many wins a team would or would not have um, with you in the lineup. And I'm curious if football has something similar that they can do. I don't know if, if they could. It just, uh, it, it would be cool to see that because, you know, you know you're you always, always going to have to question how many rings would Belichick have one if he didn't have Brady? Maybe zero. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe it was all him. And like I said, I don't want to take anything away from Tom Brady. I just, to me, it just seems like if you're, if you're, talking about like a team sport, I would have to go with the team sport that you have the most impact on. That would be basketball. Yeah. And hockey, I guess hockey to some extent. But like you said, it's easier to win in basketball though. Like the the NFL championship doesn't mean as much as the NBA one because the NFL one's harder to win. So like why why would I well, well okay, but but that's because of the variables, right? Like like you can like for example, Aaron Rodgers, mm-hmm. best quarterback statistically Maybe ever when it's all said and done, maybe it's maybe it's Aaron Rodgers, maybe it's not. But it, undoubtedly, he is a top tier talent. There are a handful of players 
that are like Aaron Rodgers. He is the cream of the crop. Sure. And he's only ever won one Super Bowl. He's only ever been to one Super Bowl. So what I'm saying is it's harder because maybe you can put some of that on Aaron Rodgers and I'm sure that he takes a ton of responsibility for it. But at the end of the day, he doesn't play defense. He doesn't play special teams. He doesn't coach. He can influence as much as he as much as he possibly can, and 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 I, I think there is something to be said about the leadership aspect of one player, right? Because one player becomes how all players act. If you have Tom Brady in your locker room, you're going to do what Tom Brady like. You're gonna, you know, if Tom Brady says, "Hey, we're doing this," okay, well, that's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And so I do think that there is definitely that aspect, and and that's where I can that's where I can definitely lean more on on Tom Brady. Like, you know, maybe maybe he did have a bigger impact. Than was seen on the on the football field than than we know of possibly, I had to, I have to give the nod to basketball though because one basketball player makes all of the difference and sure. it, I feel like we've seen that time and time again. Steph Curry made all of the difference during their championship runs. LeBron James made all of the difference during their championship runs. Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, the names we remember because they without them they are not that team. Yeah, but I mean like. They still needed, they, you know, Jordan still needed Kukoc to hit his three to win the game or Steve Kerr to hit his three. LeBron needed Ray Allen. Like, they yeah, still yeah, need sure. other people. No doubt. You know, in the, in the same way. I just, I think it's, personally, I think it's easier to win in the NBA because one player can impose his will and then take it over. Whereas, like I said, in, in football, like, you can only do so much. So to still win and only being able to do so much is more impressive to me. Well, I'll let you be impressed, sir. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I am also impressed by drinking a good cup of coffee. That's a treat all by itself. But when I can do that and help American heroes, it's that much better. Our sponsor, Gun Barrel Coffee, they're proud to donate $1 from every single item purchased to veterans and first responder charities all across the country. They offer 14 different blends and roasts, which you can get in whole bean ground or single serve pods. And right now, as a friend of this ship, you can use the promo code FNH10 and you'll save 10% at checkout when you buy their products at gunbarrelcoffee.com. That's promo code FNH10. Gun Barrel Coffee, damn good coffee, damn good cause. Oh, you betcha. Um, oh, yeah. If you want to reach out to us, we welcome it. You can hit us up on Twitter at FriendshipNH. You can hit us up on Instagram and Twitter at FriendshipNewsHour. And on uh, send us an email, bummerdude.media at gmail.com. Bummerdude.media at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.